Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to St. John Associates for sponsoring this episode. For over 30 years, St. John Associates has thoughtfully matched thousands of physicians with practices across the country. Their experienced consultants work in all specialties and will only send you the jobs that fit your lifestyle and location preferences so you can begin building the life and practice that you've always wanted. Their services come at no cost to physicians, so visit stjohnjobs.com forward slash ETS to get started with your job search today. That's stjohnjobs.com forward slash ETS. We are in October of 2022, and October every year is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's a month that carries great meaning and significance for my family. As my wife is a breast cancer survivor, we've talked about this on the podcast. She's been a guest on Explore the Space before, so we like to make sure we do an episode each year to talk about breast cancer awareness, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And this year, I'm delighted to be joined by two guests for this episode. Dr. Ann Pellet is back on Explore the Space podcast. It's our third go around. Dr. Pellet is a surgeon specializing in breast cancer surgery and reconstructive surgery, as well as a breast cancer survivor. And we are also joined by Hill Moss. And Hill is a breast cancer survivor and the founder and CEO of ViverCare, which is the first virtual survivorship clinic for survivors of critical illness. In this amazing conversation, we get into the future of Breast Cancer Awareness Month itself, where it needs to go, where the focus needs to be, should it be something that is international. We also focus on the importance of resolving healthcare disparities within breast cancer and also, of course, outside of breast cancer. And then we have a chance to hone in on the topic of survivorship and what it means to be a survivor in this era where everyone is on social media. It's a wonderful conversation and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Before we get to it, a reminder, please do check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can email me anytime, mark at Explore the Space Show. Hit me on Twitter at ETS Show and Instagram at Explore the Space Show. Please do share Explore the Space with your friends and your colleagues and definitely leave us a rating and a review wherever you like to download your podcast and give us a subscription as well. That way you won't miss out on everything and it certainly really helps out the show. So with that all said, let's get to it. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Delighted to be joined by Dr. Ann Pellet and Hill Moss. Hill, welcome to Explore the Space Podcast. I'm delighted you're here. Thank you so much for having me. And welcome back. Your chair is ready. <laughs> I'm so happy. This is so great. Thank you for having me back. I need my own category on your curriculum vitae that like explore the space. <laughs> yes. And then I'll finally send you it and you can look over it. That's a perfect reason to do it. I love it. Yeah, we're going to need to like buy a shipping container for it. It's going to be very compelling. <laughs> Speaking of compelling, me and my clumsy segues, this is a month that's very important to me, uh, as we've talked about. And you've been on the show in the month of October before. Uh, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month in the United States. And actually, Anne, is it worldwide or is it just in the United US. States? US. It's, it's US only. Why? Yeah, it's a really good question. I don't know why they don't, don't do it everywhere, but it's a, it's a US derived thing and it's something we celebrate here. Okay. Got so it started here, yeah. derived yeah. here. That's interesting. Hill, should it be an international month? Do we do that for health awareness months? 
That's a really good question. I mean, it seems like it would be easily translatable for sure. Breast cancer certainly doesn't care if you're in the United States, Canada, Europe, or otherwise. That is for sure. Yeah, but we don't do it. Now that you say that, we don't do it for any of the cancers. We don't have any kind of consistency amongst that. I don't know why that is. Because we do for other things, like there are International Women's Days and other, but not, Mm -hmm. not whole months, apparently. So sometimes when Anne and I are texting back and forth about various subject matter, we'll talk about like, what are you working on or whatever? And I'll say, we take big swings. Like we got to do big things, like take a shot. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah. And I wonder, Hill, as somebody who is in the space and will be in the space of breast cancer, advocacy, fundraising, education, survivorship, all of these sorts of things, that might not be a bad place to be is seeing if we can bring breast cancer awareness with the res- with the infrastructure around breast cancer awareness month in the United States, uh, international. Yeah, and let's see too if we can also raise some awareness around international disparities and thinking about closing some of those gaps for sure. Expand. No, I mean I think it would be incredible. You know, we are privileged to have incredible resources and access among some populations in this country to novel therapeutics and other areas of innovation in cancer care. And we know that there are enormous disparities both within the United States and also beyond and internationally. And I think really starting to think about how we think about breast, you know, breast cancer and breast health from a global health perspective is very significant. Do you think that within the United States, the ability for people to talk about the subject matter over the course of your life and the course of your experience with breast cancer changed the same, no different, better, worse? I mean, I I think one thing that's been really interesting, and of course, as a breast cancer survivor myself, I am now so much more aware of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? But I think the conversation around, you know, do we really need more awareness? Should this really be an awareness month or should this be an action month? I think the conversation and really You talked to Anne before, clearly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The dialogue around that is is I feel like that was Anne last year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there was, you know, an an incident that happened actually in this world within the last 24 hours where a brand was actually really held to task by the community of breast cancer survivors for what we call pinkwashing. it worked and the brand responded and, and they're now making a sizable contribution. So that I, we don't need to put them on blast if they've already effectively responded. Yeah, and they have. when we talked about this last year, that was the subject matter that you brought up. The idea of we're set with awareness. Now it's time for action. As we sit here where everyone's attention is pulled in so many different directions by events, large, small, and in somewhere in the middle, what are the levers that you would like to see pull as far as actions in 2022 around breast cancer? So I think Hill brought up a big one, which is disparities. And what's interesting about disparities in this country and in the world is that it starts for the whole spectrum, right? So what happens is we see that there are women who are not getting in, they're not getting screened. We see disparities in screening. Then we see disparities in diagnosis, people coming in with later stage diagnosis. They're not getting screened. There may be some stigma around coming in with breast masses. Then we get to treatment. People are offered different access to clinical trials based on socioeconomic status, race, and things like that. And we see that consistently. And so as you can imagine, all of that translates into worse outcomes in this country. 
even at the same centers. And so I think in my mind, that's where really at each step of that way, we really need to commit to trying to reduce those disparities. Um, the other thing, and Hill and I, you know, we, we both were diagnosed young. You know, Hill was diagnosed in her 20s. I was diagnosed in my 30s. Your wife, Jess, was diagnosed in her 30s. And I continue to be floored by young women not being taken seriously when they show up with breast issues. And again, there's so much breast cancer awareness, but to hear these stories of women in their 20s who go in with breast lumps and are told it's nothing and are told they should come back in six months and then get diagnosed late, it's heartbreaking. And so I guess for me, what I would say is, you know, advocate for yourself, advocate for your friends or loved ones. You feel someone, something go in. You, you may need to ask for your mammogram and your ultrasound and your MRI. And it does. It takes so much advocacy as patients that I wish we didn't have to do. But same thing about options. You know, I'm floored all the time by how many people are given such limited choices for how to treat their breast cancer if they're diagnosed. And they have to learn about it on places like social media, from other places, other friends of options. They had to know it's even a choice because they weren't given it. So in my mind, I think disparities, thinking about young women advocacy, and then thinking about knowing your options and making sure you get access to care are really would be huge things for us to change the landscape of breast cancer care. Hill, when you think about it, the piece about the actual healthcare providers when they're meeting with a younger woman with breast issues, I, is it an awareness issue for those providers when there is that friction, when there maybe is that lack of understanding or that questioning or that second guessing? Or is it they're aware, but then at the sharp end, are they falling back on outdated dogma? Are they falling back on implicit bias? Are they just in denial? What What is the milieu there? Because... I agree with Anne completely. That was something that my family experienced as well. And thankfully, it worked out for the better. But boy, it could have gone differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to diagnose a root cause. And of course, we could go into a full exploration of, as you mentioned, the implicit bias that you know is often found in terms of how folks identifying as female encounter the healthcare system, histories of being called hysterical or not understanding diagnoses. That is certainly at the root cause of all of this. I also think we just also happen to live in an interesting moment in time where more and more women are being diagnosed younger. So sort of regardless of what the root causes have been of not necessarily taking folks seriously at a young age, but we have to reckon with this now because we see the numbers growing in real time. Do people in the medical profession reach out to you as a survivor who is also now in the founder space, active on social media, active as a speaker? Is there a connection where people say, look, I'm trying to get better at this. Can you give me a little guidance? Has that happened? Yes, it has actually. Well, that's good I, to hear. Yeah. I wasn't sure what your response would be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it really good. You know, I think there are a lot of areas in this world that I happen to play in, two of them being, you know, young breast cancer diagnosis and early detection, right. and the other being survivorship, right. where I am seeing an interest and an excitement to start thinking about how the field can do better. And so I, I am hopeful. And? What do you think? I agree. I mean, I get asked more and more to actually okay. talk in medical spaces about my personal experience going through breast cancer. And I have no... I, I was going to ask you about that because I, I know you speak a lot, but is it grand rounds? Is it getting in front of medical students and residents 
Is it industry? Is it a mix? Because you're one of the more important influential speakers on the subject. Are you getting the audiences that you want? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think medical students and residents will be a great place to go next. Um, for me, it's really been a combination of people already into their careers in the breast cancer space and yeah. a lot of work with industry. And honestly, one of my favorite things to do is to work with industry around innovative devices, innovative technologies, innovative ways of making care better and have them here from me personally, how their technology made my care better. And you can see rooms light up when you tell people, hey, that test that I took so that I would know I didn't need chemotherapy, even though 10 years ago, everyone would have given a 37-year-old chemotherapy. You see people light up about what that means for them and for their roles. Um, So I agree with Hill, it's coming. I mean, there's such a huge focus on patient outcomes, on what we really think, on shared decision-making in breast cancer, that voices like mine, like Hills, like other people who are sharing their stories in this space, it really matters more in my mind than it even did five years ago. That's interesting to think about. I was thinking about this in advance, and I just, I don't want to forget to ask both of you this. So Anne and I have gotten to know each other a bit over the last couple of years, Hill, I've gotten to know you by, you know, Google search and Anne telling me cool stuff. <laughs> There's an element to survivorship that I'm curious about, though, and I'm not a cancer survivor, knock on wood. I'm the spouse of a survivor. Uh, in, my, in my clinical practice, I work with lots of people who've been affected by cancer, breast cancer, all, all of the, the whole spectrum. In the space of survivorship, though, are you both, when you meet with other women, especially younger women, recently diagnosed or in that survivorship space, I feel like there is a potential for people to look at the two of you and say that you are the gold standards of survivorship with respect to what you are doing professionally and with respect to advocacy. Have you been able to give people a sense of walking a survivorship road that's meaningful for them without feeling like they need to be Hill or Anne and that that's the right way to do it? I'm going to talk about how Hill shows up in her space as a survivor first, and then I can talk about myself because I actually can answer that for Hill as a person that watches her and shares her story with my patients. And I think one of the things I really appreciate, Hill, about what you do and what you've done through your journey is you show the real parts of it. You know, there are the right there are the days of you on your Peloton looking oh, yeah. amazing, post deep, and feeling awesome. But you also share what it looks like with hair falling out with cold calves, and what it looks like to get infusions and get IVs, and the days that are hard about fertility. And I am so grateful that you share in that way because I do think a lot of us do put the really good parts of how we're crushing our survivorship out there, and we celebrate our kids' anniversaries, and we love all of that. Um, but I have to say, Hill, I really appreciate so much how you do that, because I think it allows people to realize there is a spectrum of what this looks like. And there are good days and bad days. I mean, I post about, I have to get an MRI every year. And I post when I go, I tell them how much I had to take to make it through. I tell them what it was like waiting for my results. I tell them how I looked at my own results and I'm reading CAT scans on Valium in my car, you know, when I'm sitting in my office. I mean, I try to follow that out there because the reality is like, it's not easy and some days are harder than others. So I, I think and are trying to share those parts of it when we're we're not just out there running 5Ks for breast cancer awareness or doing our Peloton workouts with our teams. I like to think that that makes a difference for everyone to see they can show up at any point on that and that things evolve and change and go up and down. Did no. that come instinctively for you, Hill? Yeah. And I mean, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words, Anne. And I think you really do so much of the same. And coming from someone who's also a clinician, that is so very important. Uh, you know, we talk a lot in my company, which is focused on survivorship, about the fact 
that you do not need to be a super survivor, right? We could mm. develop these images in pop culture around, you know, I beat cancer and I ran an ultra marathon and, you know, and that's amazing. Like if you beat cancer and run an ultra marathon, my hat is off to you. But some days survivorship doesn't need to look like that. Some days it's hard and some days it's just completely neutral and you want to sit on the couch and have a glass of wine and watch TV because it doesn't always need to be in that state of super surviving. Uh, and that is, uh, it's an image actually that I think we need to push back against somewhat so that folks have realistic expectations of what it means to live with and beyond a, a very significant illness. Does Breast Cancer Awareness Month foster the, that view, that balanced view, as opposed to the term that you use that kind of resonates that idea of super survivorship, where if you're not doing it 10x, that somehow you're not doing survivorship right? You know, we know on social media, we're all sharing our kind of best selves. And I just, with with respect to cancer, it's it's a tricky road that you have to walk because you're blazing the trail. You are the first generation of people who have gotten through breast cancer who are active on social media. Is that a tension? Is it an opportunity? Bit of both. I I think it's both, to be honest. Okay. I mean, I think... Breast Cancer Awareness Month in itself, we can't lose fact, lose sight of the fact that it is such a unique phenomenon, right? I mean, from the very inception by, you know, the folks at, in the Lauder family and really thinking about creating a brand around a disease, that is a very unique intersection of ideas. And what happened was it, it really fostered awareness and it, it drove lots of fundraising and research initiatives over the years. That's fantastic. But it does mean that breast cancer has become this very unique branded entity. And we have to be very careful about what that looks like, particularly in the month of October, because it is everywhere. And for the folks who are actively grappling with what is not pink and pretty as a disease, that is that is attention. And do you think that social media is helping the cause? Do you think it is a hindrance? Do you think people get into social media and can be subjected to th information and images that may not be super helpful? Or again, that heterogeneity, that mix? I think it's definitely a mix, but I think one of the things that I love about it is that it gives us all options. We can pick what we want yeah. to access. We can pick what kind of communities we want to be a part of. What do we want to see in our feeds? What do we not want to see on our feeds? And I think that just knowing that there are others out there who are also struggling with this, right? Who are triggered by this, who want to talk about it, who want to open that dialogue, who want to you know, reclaim October in some ways, but also people who are super focused on education. You know, and I know for me, that's something that I find really powerful as a way of trying to trying to get through October in a positive way is thinking about what are the ways we can do to arm people with information. And so many of us are doing that, whether it's sharing your story, the good and bad, whether it's talking about what you went through, talking about what your options are, being a surgeon, talking about your choices. And I, I do think that in my mind, it's such a positive way to interact with the community and give people the opportunity to come in and out as they want. And then people engage with it. And one of my favorite things to post about is talking about side effect management. And it's so fun to see if I post a post about how I handle taking tamoxifen, people are all over it with here's what I did and here's what I take and here's what works and oh, you can do that. And I think that having that possibility to engage in that way and get better care as a result makes all of this positive. Hill, how do you find the balance of making yourself available on social media and also saying, I just, I can't right now. I need to 
watch watch Ted Lasso and <laughs> drink wine or ride my Peloton or whatever. Yes, no, and those are all things that I do enjoy doing. You know, it's it's. Did tough. you hear you... Ann on Med Lasso? By the way. No. Oh, Med Lasso. Oh, oh, all right. Gosh. You're gonna love it, Hill. The whole you have to your next You're gonna, podcast. You're gonna have to You'll just love listen it. if that's a thing. All right. Follow the Med Lasso podcast. And crushed. Well, it was rad. All right, rad. well, I will be adding that top <laughs> yeah. of my to-do list. It was super fun. So fun. Was fun. <laughs> but no, I mean, it is important to to draw boundaries. And I think, yeah. you know, throughout the course of my treatment, that was very important. And I think actually, particularly in the months after my active treatment, it became extremely important. I, and this is something I now talk more publicly about, um, you know, being diagnosed with breast cancer at 28, often you run into issues that intersect with your fertility. And it was something that I really struggled with and ended up needing to undergo multiple rounds of fertility preservation. And that was one area of my life where I just had to say, I can't share all of this right now. Like there has to be something for me that I sit with. And, you know, at some point in time, eventually I will, you know, share with folks what I learned and that's what I did. But it's so important to to draw some of those boundaries, especially as you know, folks who both are survivors and work in this world. Uh, you do need to carve out some time that is wine, Ted Lasso, and Peloton alone. <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a good. Uh, I was going to say blog, but I yeah, a memoir, me. <laughs> <laughs> like a TikTok plot. A dream weekend, right there. Like I'm, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm I'm active on social media, and the stuff is getting beyond me for sure. <laughs> How do the two of you like to collaborate? What feels good for the the two of you? And what do you sort of foresee looking at, you know, a bright future of friendship and collaboration and talking about breast cancer and also fucking not and saying, <laughs> I don't want we're, we're not talking about it right now. What does that sort of look like? What do you what, what, what are you kind of working on now? And what does that vision look like going forward in? So. I think what's really fun about having known Hill for so long is just the fact that we kind of, we both know what our strengths are. We both know what we get excited about. And I think neither of us, of course, wanted to, to be in this space together. We'd have been happy to just stay friends, not doing breast cancer, but here we are. And we both feel really strongly about trying to help others get through their journey, get better options, get better survivorship. Um, I think one of the most fun things that Hill and I have gotten to work on is we were both just featured in the Athleta Breast Cancer Awareness Month campaign. Um, and that was incredibly cool. And I have to say... Wait, do that again. <laughs> you don't get to... When you get to plug something, you get to plug okay, it. Fine, all right, fine. You don't tail off when you say campaign. You come strong. Okay, work on it. All right. All right. Work on it now. Okay, I'm not right editing now. I'm this out. Do better now. Go. I'm do better. There you go. All right. Um, I think one of the most fun things that Hill and I have gotten to work on is we were actually both featured as models in the Athleta Breast Cancer Awareness Month campaign that just came out. And honestly, to scroll through an email, the Athleta Daily Email, and see Hill and another one of my patients and friends and myself featured in there. Honestly, Athleta is a brand that I've loved working with. It felt very full circle. I helped them design one of their mastectomy bras and to kind of get to see people who've gone through this, um, being empowered, showing off all the the products and and inspiring others, I think was incredibly, incredibly inspiring to watch, especially with Hill modeling the bra that she wore during her deep flap surgery. Um, So I know for me, that was was an incredible start, but I'm really excited. Hill um, and I are working together on her startup on survivorship. And I think there's so 
many different ways to go with that. Um, I know we will collaborate around trying to get better care for people, trying to figure out what different aspects of survivorship are, how we can bring people into groups, how we can use social media to get people involved, um, because there's so many survivors. It's a wonderful time in many ways to get through breast cancer, but we got to have great, great care on the other side of it. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the the really unique and interesting things about our relationship, Anne, is that we knew each other before either of us were diagnosed. And so it has been the most interesting journey. I mean, for context, Anne was the second person that I called after my folks when I was diagnosed uh, because she was such an extraordinary resource to have in my life. And so it's just been a joy to Kind of walk that path together and now to get to to collaborate and to have Anne as an advisor to our company. It is just uh, something I never could have imagined when when we first met. And so you've spoken about the the company that you're starting. Mm-hmm. What are the sort of near term and horizon goals of the project and how do people find it? Yeah. So the company is called Vibercare and we are the first virtual survivorship clinic for cancer survivors. Really the concept being that we have spent an extremely long time in medicine, laser focused on finding cures for illnesses like cancer. And we have spent a whole lot less time thinking about what happens when people live. And we're at a very interesting moment. There were you know, about 11 million cancer survivors in 2008, there'll be 26 million by 2040, and we are a high risk and high cost population. No one has answered the question, who quarterbacks survivorship care? Because no one had to, but with strapped oncologist and PCP workforces, someone has to figure this out. And so that's really the problem we're trying to solve, delivering longitudinal survivorship care uh, to help survivors lead happier, healthier lives. That is something that on an international level, there should be increased awareness of. That's awesome. Yeah. And what's interesting, actually, is that internationally, we've started to see some some good models for this in, in both Australia and the UK. And so we're excited to collaborate, think about what this looks like. That is totally cool. We'll have links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Thank you. We'll talk about this again next year. I, I do an episode every year around Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but... In that interval period when the voltage drops and people get distracted and people who are not directly affected one way or another by breast cancer, what are the things, and you get to go first, what are the couple of the things that you like people to just kind of keep on their radar, just to sort of maintain situational awareness around before we come up to October of 2023? Yeah, so I think one of the things is that we noticed that actually the concept of buying pink products and supporting things in the breast cancer space, even though it's heightened in October, it's still there the rest of the year. Um, And that is great. I love companies that are thinking about it and trying to have products in that space, but really being conscious at any time of year about things that you're buying and making sure that they're really supporting the right causes, that they're supporting research. Um, And then in general, thinking about family members of yours, friends, loved ones, you know, it is, we, we do know that uh, early screening and, and leads to better detection leads to better outcomes. And so even though we talk all about breast self exams and mammography and screening and all of that in October, all of that is true all year round. And so just keeping in mind, what are the things that you need to do, especially in this COVID world where people worry about healthcare still and making sure that you're going in and getting your screening is incredibly important. Hill, how about for you? What are the things that are helpful for people to just maintain that level of situational awareness when the the pink slogans and banners kind of get put away until 2023. Yeah, I think similarly 
thinking about the folks in your life and with one in eight women diagnosed with breast cancer, it is very likely that folks listening to this podcast will have someone in their life who's experienced this illness. And just keeping in mind that there is a very acute phase of being a patient, right? Where you might be in chemo, it might be very obvious. You might have lost your hair, that you are a cancer patient, but that there is so much in your life that is impacted by living with and beyond cancer. That includes things like mental health, right? And really trying to focus on how we support folks in our lives through what is a, a difficult journey. Well, appreciate both of you. And I don't take for granted that you'll just come on to a podcast of an evening in the middle of this month and that it's easy somehow. This is hard. And it probably brings up things that I can't anticipate as the host, but I appreciate you both doing it. Anne and Hill, thank you both very much. Thank you so much, Mark. It's always a pleasure. I really appreciate your bringing awareness and action to this month. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It was a blast. My thanks once again to Anne and Hill for joining me on this episode of Explore the Space Podcast. There's links in the show notes. Please do check those out. And my thanks also to St. John Associates for sponsoring this episode of Explore the Space Podcast. If you're in the job market, the trusted professionals at St. John Associates have matched thousands of physicians to practices at no cost to the physician. Visit stjohnjobs.com forward slash ETS to learn more. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-J-O-B-S dot com forward slash E-T-S. And thanks to you so much for listening as well. I know there's lots of podcasts out there. I'm delighted that you're part of the Explore the Space community. Hit me on Twitter at E-T-S Show, Instagram at Explore the Space Show, and shoot me an email, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can also check out the whole archive of the podcast at explorethespaceshow.com as well. We will be back soon with more great content. We are really close to episode 300. Really looking forward to hitting that milestone. Until then, take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.